Rodgers has it. Gives to Franklin. He no, dies. No, I don't think no, he got it. I no, don't think he got out, it. The ball is out. The Bengals have scooped it up. Bouncing in the pocket, his throw caught at the 10-yard line. T. Higgins straight into the end zone. Touchdown, Bengals. It's a TD. Hello and welcome to episode 164 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. Welcome along. It's a second post Super Bowl podcast, and as you can hear, the mood has improved a little bit. Still smarting from the sting of defeat, I must say. Uh, but football waits for no man nor woman. We're already talking about free agency. I'm already started to do my mock drafts. Goodness me, what's happening, uh, Nathan Palmer? How are you feeling? I'm alright, son. I still haven't been able to watch the game back yet the highlights i nearly did yesterday i had a sort of think about it and i was like well it'd be interesting to maybe look back and stuff but i couldn't do it so i'm, I'm not there yet but um yeah i'm all right uh, how are you anything exciting going on in the hiron's household not really uh i'm drinking a maple pancake flavored beer which Ooh, is yeah. really quite average um but uh apart from that no it's the sort of calm after the storm really isn't it it's uh i think we're all G'd up for the Super Bowl, had our fantastic Super Bowl party, and um, thanks again so much uh, to those who came came to that and enjoying themselves despite uh, the result. Um, yeah, I mean, I keep seeing people post bits and bobs on uh, on uh, on the Twittles, and it's kind of like, oh, this is the play where uh, Jamar Chase was wide open. If only Joe Boy had had like a second extra. And then you see that on that fourth down that CJ was wide open as well. And and then, you know, that various sacks that he took and the P. Ryan run on third down. And the, the there was a couple of uh, Tyler Boyd's drives. Like, oh, what are we doing tormenting ourselves? It's kind of, oh, I just want to let it go. But this is going to stay with us for a while, I think. Yeah, rightly so as well. I mean, it, it, I think... I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not beating myself up too much about it, you know. I mean, it definitely comes back to me now and again, um, knowing what a great opportunity it was and, uh, you know, a, a chance for us to get to the absolute top of the sport, which we've never done before in the 50-odd years as a franchise. And you can't look past that moment as much as it's an absolute incredible achievement for us to get there, to come that close to something that would just be something would li- that would live on for all of our uh, in all of our memories, for all of our lifetimes, is is always going to be a difficult one to swallow. But I think people across the board are very optimistic about the future of the team, and rightly so. Um, obviously, it's going to be difficult to get back there, but I think that's why everyone's so feverishly got into their sort of free agent projections, their mock drafts, and all the rest of it, is because this is a great opportunity to build on what's already a fantastic foundation. Yeah, I, I agree, and um, it is going to be difficult. And um, quite right. I mean, quite rightly, I think it's because free agency is only a couple of weeks away, you know, and um, the, the people are well within their rights to talk about free agency and the draft and whatnot. It's, it's really not long to go at all. And they've got a. I think most of Cincinnati, by the looks of it, are down in Florida at the moment, taking their vacations and uh, enjoying the sand and the sea and the sun down there. 
uh, because things are going to kick off, uh, you know, figuratively in the next couple of weeks. So they're trying to take their vacations uh, while they can. But not us, Nathan. <laughs> We're not taking any vacation. Goodness me, no. We've got today your correspondence. Uh, I'm going to be quizzing Nathan. There's a special end of season uh, first and ten and we're going to go through our players of the year that we announced at the at the weekend. So another packed episode. We've uh, just projecting forward a little bit. We will be talking more about free agency next week. Uh, already the rumours circulating that uh, the Texans want to trade away Laramie Tunsil. And uh, that's something that we might be interested in. Austin Corbett, Taryn Armstead, people going nuts for him. He's entering free agency. Um, you know, all these kind of players up for grabs and who we might take, who we might want, who we might need. And uh, quite naturally, the the focus is on the offensive line. So we're going to be talking a little bit about that next, uh, today, uh, but certainly focusing more in on that next week. Um, um, but as I say, uh, going forward, we've got our International Women's Day podcast coming up in a couple of weeks' time. We've got our usual draft stuff. We're trying to put together uh, a draft meetup, as we normally do. If you're new to this community, uh, we've been having draft meetups for the certainly the past uh, three or four years before COVID hit, obviously, and we're hoping to get that going uh, uh, this year as well because we tend to have one on the third uh, day of the draft. Uh, so stand by for that. But first, shall we, shall we have a look back at our... Players of the year, Nathan. Yeah, I'd love to, Sam. So um, we had a bunch of awards, and uh, again, it's something that we do every year. It's a fun thing to do, and uh, we'll discuss it within the group, and then uh, you can then discuss it online, whether we made the right decision or wrong decision. Uh, We started off with our Offensive Player of the Year, and um, people like Joe Mixon, who had a fantastic year, over a 1,000 yards. Uh, T Higgins, a 1,000-yard season for him. Uh, Joe Burrow breaking records all over the place. Tyler Boyd almost hit a thousand yards this year. Uh, you could have perhaps even mentioned CJ Uzama in there had a great year. Uh, Jonah Williams maybe, um, but we went for our wide receiver Jamar Chase as our offensive player of the year. Um, I think that, I think you can't really look past Jamar. He, he's made such an impact really this year. Oh, for sure. I mean, especially when you talk about in the off season, people were worried about his drops and people were worried in the preseason, all the rest of it. And then he just came out like an absolute flash and really just dominated throughout the whole season. I mean, it was just an absolutely incredible season from him that was backed up with his performances in the playoffs as well. So unbelievable return on investment for us. And obviously there was all that debate around who was the right player to go with. And I think in the end, either one of them would have been fantastic players for us, but you can't look past the excitement value and what Chase has done in his first season. And I think that's the one thing the Bengals have done so well over the last sort of couple of decades is always having that sort of superstar number one receiver. They had it with AJ Green. They've had it with, um, with Chad Johnson. And now they've got it with Jamar Chase. So, I mean, to have a, to have a combo like that, you know, and a real sort of superstar receiver for Burrow is just fantastic. And ha- get my hat off for Jamar Chase. I mean, he's been fantastic. Like what was the moment when you thought, hold on a minute now, we've got a player here? I mean, like you said, there was a lot of uncertainty 
at the start of the season, which seems like a million years away. But, you know, all those drops in training count. There are a few drops in the games as well. Uh, we beat the Vikings at home, lost to the Bears inexplicably away. I think it was the next game, that touchdown against the Steelers when he had that sudden, you know, sudden burst of yeah. separation yeah. when he caught it with his fingertips in the end zone. That was, that was, that made me take notice, I have to say. He was a funny player in the first couple of games, maybe even the first sort of four, five, six weeks, because the numbers were excellent, but it was all these sort of massive chunk plays. There was one against the Bears when two players ran into each other and he was there and he had another play against the Bears. And I was thinking, this guy is definitely getting himself in the right places and stuff like that. With chunk plays, it's almost a bit more sort of... You know, is it? A, I'm not saying it was a fluke, but it was like, wow, you know, like these balls just keep dropping in his hands. But he wasn't necessarily like getting nine catches for 90 yards and really sort of consistently no, in the right place. Very sort of, uh, you know, he had a couple of drops in there as well. He did have a few drops through throughout the season. He was very high up in the league in those drops. So it wasn't like it was a completely isolated issue. But I think you're right. It got to a point where it was just like these massive chunk plays are becoming very consistent. And I thought towards the back end of the season, I think he refined his game a bit more. He, you know, I mean, some of those plays where he was getting the ball and just running after the catch, he, you know, he really did an incredible job of that, which was highlighted by that unbelievable play against Kansas City at home where he just torched them and, you know, ran for 75 yards for a touchdown. And throughout the playoffs, like I just said, I, I thought he was excellent throughout there. And I mean, in that catch in the Super Bowl, that will probably get lost a bit in translation yeah. when the was lost the game and everything else. But I mean, that was absolutely world-class. That one hand goes mm. to the ground, all control of the ball. I mean, just when the Bengals desperately needed it as well, you know, really to get them going. Um, just absolutely extraordinary. And you look at the stats and the records and all the rest of it, and so many of them tumbled, you know, especially those deep plays. And I think when he came into the league, people, I think his 40-yard dash was in the 4.3s and a lot of people were a little bit surprised by that and said, oh, you know, I don't know if that's been, you know, one of those pro times that's always a bit, a bit quicker than people actually think he is. But, I mean, he is rapid and he's he's very elusive. He's got, you know, he's got strong really Strong as great, well, really strong. And it just, he's dynamic, you know, he's a mm. playmaker and... Goodness me, I mean, if he can put together... I mean, imagine if he can build on that season. I mean, good God, I mean, I think that would give a fright <laughs> for every secondary around the league, you know. It really would, so congratulations. Actually, we've got to come up with a prize. Any ideas for a prize out there? Um, do let us know. Mac, Mac card in true Ocho Cinco fashion. Uh, what, sorry, you broke up a bit there. What would you say? McDonald's gift card in true Chad Ochocinco fashion. Uh, I think you said McDonald's gift card. Maybe our ad uh, anti-advert uh, firewall kicked in as soon as you said McDonald's there. I'm not quite sure. But, um, right, moving on to our defensive player. I found this uh, really difficult to judge uh, because I think we've spoken about it on this podcast before that, and pretty much everyone else has, let's face it, the defence has been the revelation this year. And, you know, these guys shut down Patrick Mahomes when they needed to, when no one else in the league, when when the Chiefs find that extra gear, which they always do, uh, they they just look unstoppable. Whereas against us, they kind of couldn't couldn't deal with us in, the, in our defense in the second half of games. We also shut down Lamar Jackson, 
do you know what I mean? It's this defense and made some huge plays against the uh, the Titans in the playoffs and even against uh, the Rams in the Super Bowl. They completely shut down the running game. They've been outstanding. And, um, you know, one guy that perhaps we haven't spoken about too much and certainly was a nominee in this category is Logan Wilson. What a Super Bowl he had. I thought he was he could have been our best player uh, in the Super Bowl, I have to say. Uh, I've got a question for you, Sam. Go on then. That's just popped in your head, mm. right? On the basis that nothing, like, it's hard to ask this question without there being some slight caveats. But, okay, say, for example, that play where Joe Boy gets sacked and the game's over, Joe Boy spins out, dumps mm. the ball off to Chris Evans, right? Just yeah. someone, you know, not going to change it. Chris Evans runs it into the end zone for the touchdown. The mm. Bengals then immediately get the ball back off the uh, the Rams. They win the game. Who? Because obviously Chris Evans wouldn't impact into the MVP discussion yeah. in that game. Obviously, you're talking about Logan Wilson, which is why I'm saying that. Who do you think would have been our MVP in that game if we'd won it? Oh, I think Joe would have been. Um, do you? Yeah, just because he pulled it out the last minute, really. And I have to say, Joe, Boy, that wasn't his best game in the Super Bowl. Oh, sorry, no. uh, he missed a few throws. He There was one uh, a third down throw where he had Chase just inside the pylon and about 13, 14 yards away. And it, the ball completely died on on Chase. So, I, you know, I think... But, you know... Saying that he didn't have his best game, I must say also that I think he was probably a little bit rattled by the the Rams pass rush, who was just who were just superb all game. So you know you can't blame him really. Um, but yeah, I think Joe Boyd just because he would have pulled it out the fine and delivered the pass really because um, there was a bunch of for 40 yards would he be I mean would you still be saying him I mean say he does that because I think I mean Logan Wilson would have I mean I know it's not the sexiest option he didn't necessarily have any splash plays but there was some absolutely incredible like you know tackles for losses in there and mm. you know just absolutely dominate I mean the, the Rams didn't have a run game in that game whatsoever you know I no. think they totaled about 25 yards on the ground between them all, you know, it was an absolutely dominant performance. It was, and that is reflected in this category. So Sam Hubbard, who I think uh, had an excellent season, um, Chidobe Iwuzie, uh had a Chido had an amazing season as well. What an impact he made! Uh, Logan Wilson and DJ Reader, who I personally voted for in this category. I thought he was. I mean, he played certainly at the back end of that season. He played at an, an elite level, I think. I mean, again, not a very sexy position, the nose tackle position, but he was just fantastic. However... I think Jay Reader makes the nose tackle position sexy, my son. I think so. He brings sexy to the nose tackle position, definitely. However, uh, the vote went to Trey Hendrickson, 14 sacks during the uh, regular season, 17 and a half for the entire season, if you add his sacks, um, you know, in the in the postseason, so tricky one. He's got the stats, Trey, um, and again, huge. What an impact he's made! Hundred percent, and I think he deserves. It. I think DJ Reader and Logan Wilson get honourable mentions. I think the secondary. There's not necessarily one standout player in that secondary that you give it to, but they. I couldn't say enough good words about how Mike Hilton, Cheeto, Jesse Bates. They all played fantastically well. Von Bell as well. It was brilliant, like you said. But 
Trey Hendrickson, he, he gets the, you know, the glory with the, stat, uh, the sack numbers, but he was an excellent addition to the defence. He really gave us that pass rush that we've lacked so dearly for the last sort of two, three, four seasons. And I think that was the difference at times and makes the secondary's job a lot easier when you are getting pressure on the quarterback and some errant throws are coming out and you can get mm. a few picks and you know, calm, sort of, you know, calm things down a bit. So I think rightly deserved. And a lot of people, when we got Trey Hendrickson, said we'd overpaid. They said, we, you know, he wasn't necessarily an upgrade on Carl Lawson. And hard to say that, really, because Carl Lawson, when healthy, is a very, very good pass rusher. But obviously the durability issues, the injury issues have plagued him. And, you know, unfortunately he got injured before the season with the Jets. But Trey Hendrickson, better than any of us could have expected. He was voted the best free agent acquisition this yeah. offseason, which is you know, huge credit to the, the Bengals front office and to Trey Hendrickson for not only just getting a stack load of money and but you know upping his game as well and playing at an even higher standard that he played at when he was over at the Saints. So yeah, get, get top my hat to um, Yeah, you made Trey. a good point there. Um a lot of people will kind of say, Oh well he only got his sacks in New Orleans because, you know, that he was part of a dominant defensive line and he's not gonna be as good as Lawson and we've overpaid and all this, but I tell you what, he's he was absolutely fantastic. And when he was out for a couple of games injured, uh we really noticed it, I thought. Really noticed the lack of Hendrickson there um right on to our special teams player of the year no real surprises here uh i think we doffed our cap to uh stanley morgan who was excellent again on special teams yeah. trey flowers who in stanley morgan's absence had a fantastic uh, couple of games as a gunner clark harris uh who again was just a stalwart there and of course big kev as well hubes who uh, I think he broke the uh, record for, um, is it consecutive games played or just games played full stop? I can't remember, but um, he was a record breaker, uh, was Kev. Uh, but really, you can't not give uh, Evan McPherson this award. He was he's, he's sort of the Joe Burrow of special teams. He's given that kicker position who... Let's face it, kickers normally like to get their head down. They're no frills, no fuss. They just get on with their jobs, and that's absolutely fine. But this guy comes along with a personality the size of Ohio itself, and uh, he's become one of the team's favourite players. It's crazy, really. Yeah, when we drafted him, I think people had high hopes, and there was all the viral videos of him knocking bottle caps off of bottles <laughs> yeah. at the Florida um, training facility. But... My goodness. And that that's something I think just to not undervalue is the kicker position. I mean, we've seen in the past with Randy Bullock and we went through a bit of sort of kicker purgatory for a couple of years with a few different guys coming in and out. And you look around the league at teams that have had fantastic kickers that have stayed around for a long time. And it's just such a... I think it really is underrated just how important that is. And that's the one thing the Ravens can attest to, just having Justin Tucker there. And you mm. know if he's got a field goal inside 50 yards, it's almost automatic. You know that he can roll out the big leg from late 50s, early 60s, you know, and to give you a chance from there. And I think that not only gives um, you confidence as a fan and the coaching staff confidence, but it gives your offense a bit of confidence that, you know, actually, if we can get the ball over the halfway line here, there's a fair chance that um, <clears throat> this guy can come 
bang one through. And I think we've got that with Evan McPherson. He he looks like not only has he got a big leg and he's accurate, but he's like you said, he's got that swagger and that confidence. That if he does miss one or two in a row, I don't think for a second anyone's going to be turning around to him saying, well, you know, if he misses a couple more, we might, he might be out on the street and we're getting um, Josh Lambeau in for a tryout. You know, yeah, he's yeah. the guy here. He's going to be here for a long time. And I liked the approach that they took in the offseason. They didn't muck around doing some competition where yeah. he had to, you know, win out his job. He just was given given his chance, took it, you know, it was just fantastic in the preseason, amazing the whole season. Although there was a bit of a, a competition, if you remember. Who was the kicker there last year that I can't remember? Who went to Cleveland in the end? Austin Seibert. Austin Seibert, that's right. I mean, there was a little bit, not necessarily competition. It, I mean, it always felt like it was Evans to lose, but... Um... But he dominated that competition as well. And I was almost just of the opinion of, we've drafted this guy quite high. He's got all the accolades. He looks like a great kicker. Let's just give him, you know, let's not muck around here trying mm. to sort of, you know, put him in a competition. But he, he beat out Austin Seibert. Austin Seibert played very well. You know, mm. he, did, he really did. And there was talk of us trading him, mm. if you remember, back to season and maybe picking up a late round pick because he was that effective in the preseason but that's that's just the bollocks on Evan you know he won that <laughs> he kicked well throughout the season there was a couple of misses in there but you know overall I mean the pressure he had on his shoulders you know kicking us to um the AFC title game and to the Super Bowl I mean just absolutely extraordinary made his kicks in the Super Bowl with the the whole world watching and yeah, if he can be our guy for the next 10 years and play at that high a level, that will be the difference in multiple games, um, you know, over that period. And there's not many players on the field that you can always say that about. So, massive. Yeah, and it's that whole kind of sporting cliche, isn't it? You've got to find that extra percent somewhere, you know, that extra 3%, 2%, 5 whatever it is. And I think they probably identified the kicking game uh, somewhere that they could eke out that extra two, three, four, five percent. And I think Evan McPherson's given them a little bit more than that, actually. Yeah, I completely agree. You look back at that game, Randy Bullock, the two calves game where he, you know his leg seizes up and whatever else. It's like if you've got Evan McPherson there for that game, that's just immediately one extra win that you can directly attribute to yeah, yeah. his leg. And then. There will be games like that coming up over the next couple of seasons where, you know, he makes kicks at the death and stuff. And you look back to this season, the, the, the kick he made against the Vikings to win us the game. He's got the kick against the Jags, obviously the ones in the playoffs. If any of them are missed, are missed for whatever reason, you know, we, we don't necessarily make the Super Bowl. If he the nerves get to him against Kansas City and he shanks it, you know, he shanks it against the Titans. You go to overtime on the road and they look very good, the Titans, in that game. And we're getting to Joe Boy. There's absolutely no guarantee this fairy tale of this season even exists if he's not there and you have got a Josh Lambeau or, you know, Nick Novak or God knows who's floating around there as a sort of, you know, kicker. So I think it's so undervalued, the kicking position. It's not always the, you know, a lot of people don't really like the whole, how much pressure is on it and all the rest of it. And it is a very brutal job. I mean, don't get me wrong. If Evan McPherson comes out next year and is spraying it all over the place, costing us points, costing us games... They, those kickers don't have a very long leash. You know, you'd like to think mm. he would have. He's earned a long leash, but it really would, you know, it would get on his back pretty quickly. But I back him. He's a great young lad, and I'm sure that he will be around for a long time. And I think in the end, and this is no not being dramatic, I think that he will end up being 
nearly not as much so but nearly as useful to us as Jamal Chase will be in that draft over the next five to ten years I really do mm. speaking of which our Andrew Dockerell uh, has posted his first mock draft uh, Andrew Mockerell is back uh, and he'll be continuing to do some mock drafts throughout the draft season he's also uh, I'm about to put up a blog post grading this year's, uh, well, uh, last season's, it is now last season's uh, draft class. Uh, so watch out for that on our social channels. Uh, we move on to coach of the year. Uh, again, really strong contenders, I think. Zach was in there. How could you not? A team that, you know, gets the Super Bowl. How can you not nominate the head coach? Um, Brian Callahan, the offensive coordinator. Marion Hobby, the uh, defensive line uh, coach. And Al Golden, the recently departed Al Golden, he's gone to join uh, Notre Dame um, as defensive coordinator. Um, so good luck to Al. But he's I think he's had a real impact the last couple of years. That You just look at the play of Jermaine Pratt and Logan Wilson and the improvement of, say, Marcus Bailey. And unfortunately, you know, Ekeem Davis-Gaither was, was showing improvement as well. So I think he did a an outstanding job but we've spoken about it before and uh, we gave the award to uh, defensive coordinator Lou Anarumu I don't think you can argue with that can you Nathan um no you could probably you could make obviously an argument for Zach if it would get them to the Super Bowl and coaching the team and everything else whether you want to delve into his play calling or whatever else but obviously you could make the argument for him but I think Lou very much deserves it. And I, the defence, as we've said, as was just phenomenal. And they played as a unit. They played as a team. They really had a lot of chemistry. They made plays in critical situations. They stopped some some of the best players around the league. Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, as you said earlier. So, for me, I'm really happy for Lou. There was times in the last couple of years where he was really on the hot seat and people didn't think he could turn it around. And... I, he's done an incredible job. I think it's probably a bit early for him. I know he got a bit of an interest for um, some head coaching gigs, but I'll tell you what, if he has another good season like that and maybe builds on it and that defence is a solid top 10, maybe even higher unit next season with a couple of extra pieces and Joseph Asai coming back and I'm sure there'll be some guys in the draft that'll make an impact as well. He really could be looking um, a head coaching gig come next off-season. Yeah, what I liked about Lou... What would Lou do? Is his uh, half-time adjustments, he was able to adjust either on the fly or make some really meaningful, significant and impactful uh, adjustments at half-time. Again, we keep saying, it, look at those two Chiefs game. We couldn't touch them in the first half. Uh, and then in the second half, whatever he did, he's you know a mixture of putting the boot into players' asses and also, you know, some minor adjustments, some major ones, who knows... Um, I think he deserves all the credit in the world, especially when you think about the year before when, out of all the coaches, I think it was the consensus that Lou was on... Lou's seat was the hottest, shall we say. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think it all goes back to, as well, the time in the Admiralty when I had a Peroni with Lou. <laughs> You're still had... claiming that, man. 
there was there was a lot of home truths that came out from both of us, <laughs> and we had a good chat about schemes and you know best fits for the system and all the rest of it, and you know all these different coverages that he taught me through. And I think you know we both we both added to each other's arsenal after that, and I think things have looked up ever since. I think you should accept this award on his behalf. By the way, you're talking, my friend. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, rookie of the year, no real surprise here. Although you know, Evan had a fantastic uh, rookie season, as we've mentioned. You know, Jackson Carmen found things tough going, although he has shown promise in some games. Chris Evans had a few fantastic plays. That touchdown against the Raiders, in particular, I remember. Uh, so he made an impact. Uh, uh, Cam Sample as well, I thought, had a fairly solid uh, rookie season. Decent cam sample for a later round guy. He did have, he, you know, he got involved a bit. It was, you know, you heard his name come up a few times. He's yeah. someone that I'm keen to see what he can offer next season. Yes, unfortunately, it was a no go for White Hubert and uh, Joseph Asai. We're looking forward to seeing what they can do next year. And uh, Tyler Shelvin didn't play much of a part this year, unfortunately. So, really, the, there's only one. Rookie of the year for us, and that, of course, is Jamar Chase. Breaking records all over the shop. I think someone, might have been Chris Carter, said he was the greatest rookie wide receiver he's ever seen. And that's, uh, I know that was Chris Collins, doesn't it? No, Chris Collins said he's the greatest Bengals wide receiver he's ever seen. And that's, you know, we're talking Chad Johnson, we're talking Isaac Curtis, we're talking Eddie Brown, we're talking Carl Pickens, we're talking AJ Green. You know, that's that's quite some statement. Uh, tough one to judge this one next. It was our most improved player of the year. I mean, you could have made an argument for Joe Burrow, I have to say, the way he improved his deep ball. Uh, you can look, have a look at the Metro. I know Jake Lisko from uh, Locked On Bengals is tweeting today about the improvements in percentile um, in various categories. So you can make a strong argument for... Um, Joe Burrow, you can make a, an argument for Logan Wilson again, uh, just you know taking that step up. T. Higgins again making a step up. Um, in the end, though, we went for uh, Jermaine Pratt, the linebacker. I thought the, certainly the second half of the season. I mean, he's taken a couple of years for it to kind of properly click. Uh, but I thought he was great this year, and certainly down the stretch. If you remember, Logan Wilson was out for two or three games, wasn't he, with an injury. Uh, Jermaine Pratt held that linebacking court together and he was just outstanding. I think it's a very interesting one, the most improved, because you could make an argument across the team, but I do think, especially towards the end of the season, uh, Jermaine Pratt really needed to step up and he did. And he, like you said, he's someone that has had a couple of years where you're sort of like, whoa, you know, what are we getting here? Like you sort of, th- he was supposed to be quite good. You really felt there was a chance that he could turn up and be the guy there and really make a statement. And it's fantastic to see him do that this year because we desperately needed it. And there was a, a long time when we looked at that linebackers room and we said, well, that's the weakness on this team. We need veterans in. We need people to come in. It's going to, it's going to expose us. And He's stepped up. Obviously, Logan Wilson has massively stepped up. Akeem Davis-Gate has looked good when he's played. So, all of a sudden, that's quite a young team now. Marcus Bailey as well, the seventh rounder um, who's been on this podcast. He's fantastic and he's sort of contributed as well. So, once we get Jordan Evans back, I'm sure there'll be a, you know someone in... Um, the draft that will come in and compete in that room as well. But, and you know, an honourable mention for Joe Bacci as well. Yeah, he played um, very well, didn't he, when he came in? 
matches and he'll be back. So quite a young, exciting unit there um, that, to you know to look at going forward. But the only guy um, that I would say in terms of making most improved honourable mention that you didn't say was Sam Hubbard. I yeah, really yeah, thought yeah. he raised this season he's always been very useful in the last couple of years and he's been really really good against the run and chipped him with a couple of sacks but I really think that he played at a higher standard this year and he was you know him and Trey Hendrickson working excellently together to get pressure on quarterbacks and I think more as a pass rusher this year he just seemed to have that extra step and really played hard played well was durable and yeah hats off to Sam I thought he was I thought he was excellent this year yeah absolutely agree I think he's he was absolutely brilliant uh, seven and a half sacks for Sam old mother hubbard uh this year and uh yeah he was fantastic wasn't he he's i mean spe- again down the playoffs you want your big players to step up and i thought he really stepped up but just going down to uh, back to Pratt, i think it's really cool when you see a player after a couple of years of you know he's flashed and then made mistakes and you know just struggling to for everything to click and then i just really love it when it clicks with someone then suddenly you've got a hell of a player on your hands and um I mean, Come on. and that that play, you know, that interception against the Raiders was fantastic, and you know, fair play to him. I thought, I thought he was great. Right next, it's players' player of the year. A bit, this is really a fans' player of the year. But I kind of, I go back to uh, when we all played football, our own football over here when we were kids. There's always a players' player, that kind of player that's kind of the super popular, the guy, the glue that that brings the team together. Um, uh, so I, in honour of that, I named it Players Player of the Year. But really, it's the Fans Player of the Year, I think. That's probably the best way to put it. And there's only one winner here. Lots of those guys had, you know, you look at Cheeto and you look at uh, Mixon and you look at uh, T Higgins and you look at, you know, you know, people like that. And Sam Hubbard, obviously, our Walter Payton Man of the Year nomination this year. All those guys deserve recognition. But there's only one winner here, and that's CJ Uzama, old friend of the podcast. I mean, what a year he's had. To come back from serious injury for a start, it was amazing. And not, you know, not many people have talked about that, actually. Uh, his um, rehabilitation from an Achilles injury, which are notoriously difficult to heal. Um... And he's come back and he's had a really good season on the field, I think, actually. Um, but, you know, his interaction with fans and it just his humour, his costumes, his, let's just say, let's just flat out say, his flirtation with Kay Adams. Um, you know, I... I you are stir, are you? Well, you know, well, if I can help bring them together, then I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy to do that. They would make a lovely couple, I think. Um not sure if Kay's already got a partner or not and probably get into trouble if she has. But anyway, uh, but yeah, I mean, CJ, what a dude. And I'm so pleased for him that he got to play in the Super Bowl. I know it perhaps wasn't his most active game in the pass-catching department, but I, I can assure you from the bits that I have seen, he was working hard on, on, on sort of inline blocking during that game. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it'd be great to have CJ back for another couple of years. Um, but yes, yeah, certainly a worthy recipient of, of the player's player of the year, I think. Oh, 100%. And to have his best ever season in terms of yardage off the back of an Achilles in- injury is absolutely phenomenal. And 
I think that he really stepped up as a leader as well this year. He really was made himself known. Some of those speeches that were caught on camera um, in and around the playoffs and the lead up to the playoffs really got the, the hairs on your back up. And Joe Boy is a fantastic leader. And I think he leads almost almost more by example than he's necessarily someone that's going to shout at the locker room and get them fired up and I think between him and CJ they just did such a good job rallying the troops getting everyone on the same page building that chemistry and it it really can't go unnoticed how important that is and integral that is to the cohesion in that locker room and you know building everyone in the right direction and moving them forward so full credit to CJ there's absolutely no doubt he deserves that and I do think with CJ moving forward it's going to be very difficult because We'll get onto this in the free agency, but I would absolutely love him back. I really hope we can make something work, but he's obviously out of contract. I think he's going to want some decent money. I think they'll certainly be interested in him. Um, there are a lot of free agent tight ends on the market. I was having a little scowl around the other day. There's a lot of decent players out there, a lot of chatter about Tyler Conklin from the Vikings would be a decent player and whatever else. Um but I don't know. I hope. I hope. And I don't want the Bengals to lowball him, and you know he, he takes a cheap deal because he wants to stay in Cincinnati and be around Burrow and all the rest of it. You know he deserves to get paid what he needs to get paid. But he he's not necessarily like a top tier tight end. Um, yeah. So I, there's going to have to be a difficult discussions there, and obviously you know negotiation and whatever else. I think if he comes in too high, the Bengals are going to look around and say, "Well, there's a lot of guys out there. Jared Cook's out there. I know he's getting on a bit, but a lot of good names out there." If you look at the list, and obviously for CJ, I'd love him back, um, but it's going to be an interesting negotiation that, and I would it would be really awful to lose him um, because he is a fantastic, not only a fantastic player, but obviously just an a, amazing leader and a character, a bit like Andrew Whitworth that you you hate to lose from that locker room. Mm, agreed. Uh, pretty solid tight end class in the draft as well, I have to say. So, exactly. Uh, the other day, off they were saying there's starters that you, there's not necessarily any elite tight ends or anyone that particularly like would you know blow the top off the the class, but a lot of guys that even into the fourth and fifth round that you could bring in and could be productive. So that's also something like exactly like you said, son, to consider. Right, our play of the year, again, lots and lots of contenders. I have to say most of which were a long touchdown by Jamar Chase, that incredible inner blender, as Kevin Harlan called it, against the Ravens away, the Green Bay touchdown, if you remember that, just before half-time to get us back in the game, uh, that touchdown against the Steelers, that catch in the... I mean, you could rattle off a whole bunch of Jamar Chase plays that third and 27 who can remember that against kansas city um and then you've got the eli apple goal line stop against the chiefs in the afc championship game my personal favorite of the year was the sam hubbard spy sack against uh kansas city just as regulation was running out uh what i, I don't know what it is i just loved that play the fact he's just he was he basically turned into a tiger on that play. He stalked his prey. He just stayed there in the undergrowth and then bang, he just absolutely accelerated, put uh, the pedal to the metal and just knacked him. I loved that. I loved that play. But there was also uh, the play that won us. Um, also the Jermaine Pratt uh, interception, as I mentioned, against the Raiders. Uh to, to seal the deal on our first playoff win in 30, 30 years. 
Um, you know, the list of plays. Just uh, You know when you've had a good season when you can just yeah. Yeah. carry on yeah. listing plays until the cows yes. come home. Yeah, you haven't even seen the two for me, which would be the Titans field goal from Evan McPherson mm. and the field goal in that last kick. Just, you know, to know that that kick that took us to the Super Bowl I and mean, the emotion in that chilli bomb and the emotion yeah, for yeah, yeah. everyone just not necessarily the most, you know, a 33-yard field goal is not going to win many awards, but just for the magnitude of it alone, mm. I mean, just extraordinary. I mean, in what about that Von Bell interception? What about uh, yeah. the BJ Hill interception? What about the Logan Wilson interception against the Titans? You know, you can just list these players. I'm throwing my pen around. I'm so excited. I just keep listing them. I love it. Yeah, it's brilliant. Anyway, we did have to go for one, and we went for the Jamar Chase 72-yard touchdown against Kansas City at home, where he caught the ball in the flat and then basically outran the entire Chiefs defence. I don't think I've seen a touchdown like that, certainly from a Bengals perspective, ever. And it's very rare that you see... I mean, basically, you might see something like that from Tyreek Hill on the other side. We've seen it a number of times, actually. But the way he just accelerated and left everyone for dead was just like, wow, that is is something. That is really quite something. Amazing stuff. Um, Just incredible. Indeed, yeah, just absolutely mad. And I remember, I remember watching that in uh, the lobby of this hotel I was in, and I was just off my feet shouting, like, "Go on, son!" Like, I mean, and you think as well. I think wasn't that what we were fourteen nil down against the Chiefs? Yeah, yeah we needed that. And well. that's what you know, the other thing about that that's just so important. Like, if nothing happens there, and he gets three yards, and the drive stalls or whatever else, you know, do we win that game down fourteen against the Chiefs? Quite possibly not. To to have someone like him as a young rookie go in there and just play at that level and put together a play like that when you're down and you need someone to spark the offense into life, spark the crowd into life, just incredible. And I think athletically, as you rightly said, so we've not seen a play like that for many years. Um, just quickly, let's rattle off the uh, final two awards, the performance of the year, and we've decided to split this between. Because they can't really be separated this year, I don't think. Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, again, in that Kansas City game. I mean, it really was a game for the ages, I think. Um, um, Joe Burrow, 446 yards, four TDs, 148 QBR, incredible. Jamar Chase, 11 catches for 266 yards. How about that? Three touchdowns. Incredible. I don't think there's any way you can argue against that. Um that was just an incredible game. And finally, our player, our overall player of the year, we've gone for um, Joe Burrow. It had to be. Uh, the guy came back uh, off a serious, serious knee injury. And just the courage, I mean, the hits that he still took at the back end of the last that year, especially against the Titans and the, and the Rams in the Super Bowl. I mean, just his coolness under pressure and... You know, he has made, he did make mistakes over the year. You know, he was still obviously not struggling with his knee, but just building that confidence back up and his strength. But then when he hit it, uh, he was, he was unstoppable, absolutely unstoppable. And I think he is that kind of player that does carry a team on his back. And, and furthermore, he enjoys doing that. He doesn't shy away from that. He actively says, come on, lads, climb on. I'm going to take you to the promised land. And that's what he almost did. Uh, so there's no way we, there's no way he couldn't win Player of the Year. What a what a great year for Joe Boy. Hundred percent. 
I think the other thing with Joe Boy, he didn't have a preseason, and that there was constant reports out of training camp saying he looked off and Chase is dropping the ball, and the offense has had a bad day, the offense had another bad day, defense has won today, and I think a lot of people coming into the season were genuinely really worried about the offense and how long it would take to click. <laughs> It starts a bit slowly, I would say. Burrow, you know, maybe not at his best. You could tell his, um, you know, his, his movement wasn't where it, perhaps it should be. But down the business end of the season, when the, when the heat got turned on and the Bengals were in for the playoffs and the rest of the way, I mean, it was just scintillating, just absolutely beautiful. Um, some real throllickings in there for the Bengals. You know, Burrow really turned up. Like you said, absolutely destroyed the Chiefs. In that game, with just absolute computer game numbers, um, and he—I mean, he's just fantastic. And we all know what we've got there. We need to protect him moving forward. But for him to come back in his his, his second proper season, really, you know, still hasn't played more than sort of twenty, twenty-five NFL games in the regular season. I, I'm excited to see with some proper protection next year and an improved team and some more experience and going against guys for the second, third, fourth time, just what he can do moving forward. So thoroughly and well-deserved. Well, there we go. I hope you enjoyed our little look back over the year. That's going to continue in a minute when I when I quiz Nathan in a special 2021 season version of First and Ten. Uh, just a bit of news, actually. Al Golden, as I mentioned, our linebackers coach, left to become defensive coordinator at Notre Dame. Am I saying that right? Notre Dame? Notre Dame? Say that again. You're breaking up tonight, Nathan. I'm not quite sure why. but um... Notre Dame. All right. Notre Dame. Is that how you say it? I'm not sure. Uh, so we have replacing by with um, uh, 49ers defensive assistant James Betcher. Uh, he's going to become the linebacker coach. I do think uh, Al Golden had quite an influence on Lou because he helped him out on third downs a lot, uh, by all accounts. But the good thing about James Betcher is is that he used to, he has got NFL defensive coordinator experience, uh, and I think that's going to be fantastic. So on Al again, Golden was favourite towards somebody. I know you you sort of like dropping his name in now and again. I mean, I'm sure you'll be sad to see him go. What Al Golden? Al Golden, you always love over the years. I've always quite enjoyed uh, hearing you bring his name up. He's definitely a favourite. Yeah, Duffner as well. Duffner's still there. That's it. That's it. Apologies. Apologies. Uh, Also, uh, apparently, Steve Jackson, the defensive backs coach, is leaving, and we have replaced him with uh, Miami cornerbacks coach Charles Burks. Uh, So there we go. A couple of news items there. Right, Nathan, are you ready for first and 10? I am ready, my son. If you're new to this podcast and you haven't listened to before, we like to fill idle moments with little quiz games and silliness, and this is one of them. Uh, First and ten, which is like a general knowledge equivalent of the NFL, and uh, a participant or contestant starts on his or her own 20-yard line, and they have to answer questions 
of different yardage value to move the ball. They have 12 questions to reach the end zone. Uh, you'll pick it up as we go along. So, Nathan, it's first and 10 from your own 20. What are you going to go for? A, an easy question worth five yards, a medium question worth 10 yards, or a hard question to score it all on the very first play? I'm just going to go for a nice medium question, son. A nice medium question. Hello. Right. Evan McPherson broke a number of franchise records this year, including the longest field goal in franchise history against Denver. How long was it? Oh, 58 yards. Oh, correct. Come on then. First down. Um, I'll take another medium question, my son. First down at the 30. How many touchdowns did CJ Uzama score against the Ravens in week seven? Seven. That's a very Two. that's a very sexy noise Nathan, you just made. Uh, yes, you are correct. First down. The nice, nice, healthy drive. This, isn't it? Two nice ten yards completions. Like First down and ten from your own forty. Oh, oh. Strategy's coming in. I'm going easy question. Hello. You're on question four. Who did the Bengals beat in week one of the regular season? So the Vikings. Question four. You're at your own 45. You made good start here, Nathan. So what are you going to go for? I'm for the touchdown here, and so I've set up myself nicely. I'm going for the deep ball. Question four. This is going to be a good one. This is going to be good first and ten. Jamar Chase scored three touchdowns in the amazing home victory against the Chiefs in week 17. Who scored the team's other touchdown in the 34-31 victory? Oh. Um. <laughs> You're making some noises tonight, my friend. Uh, oh, it wasn't a defensive touchdown, was it? No. I'm going to go for CJ armor. No, incomplete. Uh, I was going to go, who else was it? Who was it? Um, Tyler Boyd. Sorry. Oh. Third and five, son. I'm gonna have to go easy. Get myself, get myself a first down here. I'm liking the strategy here. Uh, who was the team sack leader with 14 in the regular season? Ray Hendrickson. Indeed. Lots of midfield, right? Question six, midfield. First and first and ten. What are you gonna... Easy one, son. Another easy one. Okay. Who intercepted Derek Carr's fourth down pass in the playoff victory against the Raiders? Pratt. Question seven, second down and five. Inside enemy territory at the 45. Come on. Down. I'll go touchdown, Sam. This is a great question, actually. What's the name of the kicker who played one game replacing an injured Evan McPherson in the week 18 loss to the Browns? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. It's no. a great question, isn't it? It's a great question. Great question, yeah. Um, Tristan something? Tristan Schiffert? Tristan Schiffert? Where'd you get that from? <laughs> <laughs> That's my final answer. Tristan Schiffert. Incomplete. Way off. Way off. That was, an, that was, that was not close. Elliot Fry. 
Jesus. Third That's a good question. I'll give you that. Five from the forty-five now. What? I mean, what question am I on? Question eight. Just a good. You know, you're gonna have to go for some big yardage now. I'm, You're getting into. I'll go. I'll go easy question, just to sort of, you know, get me a first down. Some. All right. How many Bengals? This is third down and five. You're into fourth down territory. How many Bengals players were selected for the Pro Bowl this year? I got a difficult one. It's a bit of a slippery um, banana skin easy one. This one. Um. Burrow didn't even get selected, did he? It was outrageous. Uh. Three. No. Drop pass on third down and five. How many was it? It was two. Jamar Chase and Joe Mixon. Oh, I thought Hendrickson got. Mm. Blimey. Right. Right, question nine. Fourth down and five from uh, your opponent's 45. What are you going to go for? You've got to go easy enough, son, eh? Okay. Joe Burrow broke the Bengals' single-season touchdown passing record in the victory against the Chiefs. Whose record did he break? Um, Mate, your noises tonight. It's, it, you're, you're making... You, 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 these are my pressure noises. <laughs> I don't want to know, mate. Awesome palm. Oh, he turns the ball over. Boomer. No, Andy Dalton, 33 in 2013. That's outrageous. Oh, lucky son. That's some good go. Let, let's, there was some. You made a cracking start there, and just felt. Oh, that's infuriating. Right, do, do you want to have a look at the other questions? You probably. Yeah, I don't know. I've got to finish the question. There's some good questions in there, son. You're a good quiz master. The Bengals lost the Jets in week eight. Who was the backup quarterback that shredded us? You probably would have got that one. Yeah. In the Jets game, who was the former Bengals QB who subbed Mike White when he had to leave the game with an injury? Oh, Josh Johnson. Against the Packers, how many field goals were missed in total? This is the medium and medium question. Against the Packers, how many field goals were missed in total during the game? It was six, wasn't it? Or five? Five. Crosby, three. Evan, two. Only six players got over 100 yards receiving in a game against the Bengals in the regular season. Three of them were tight ends. Name them. Um, uh, Mark Andrews. Yeah, week 16, 125 yards. Yeah. Kittle. Yeah, week 11, 151 yards. That was a nightmare, wasn't it? Kelsey. No, it was Darren Waller, week 11, 116 yards. Sneaky. I don't remember Waller doing that much in that game, but yeah, fair enough. In week uh, week 13 against the Chargers, the Bengals fell behind by how many points before they themselves scored any points? Uh, 17? Nope, 24. That oh, was crazy. That to come back to almost tie it, you know. Uh, which wide receiver notched up the most yards in a single game against the Bengals this season? Devontae Adams. Yep, 11 for 206 and a score. Josh Johnson played twice against the Bengals this season for different teams. Who did he play for the second time round? Was it Kansas City? No, it was the Ravens. Oh, of course it was. Yes, yeah, sir. I don't know what I'm thinking there. I don't know what I'm thinking, sir. Um, two more hard questions. In what game did Joe Mixon and the offensive line dance a Motown-style two-step in the end zone? 
Uh, I don't know. I can't. I can't think about that. That was the Pittsburgh home victory. Uh, uh, we've got a similar one to another one. Only three running backs rush for a hundred yards or more during the season against the Bengals, which is actually quite something, really. One was Aaron Jones, week five, 105 yards. Uh, another was Nick Chubb, uh, week nine, 137 yards. Who was the other? You'll never Is guess. It, was it Eli Mitchell from the 49ers? No, he had a good game against us, but no. It was De- Ernest Johnson. That was a good one. Uh, the Browns, week 18, 123 yards. So there's your first and 10. Unlucky, Nathan. That was very close to being... Um, you know what's funny is it, the regular season feels like a year ago. Like when we were talking about the Chargers game and yeah, like yeah, yeah. all that, like playoffs were just so much and you were so emotionally invested in them. All those games, you know, back in October and September, they just honestly feel like a year or two ago. Like you start trying to remember last season, like really weird. Indeed. Oh, it really is, isn't it? God. Um, right, so let's get to our correspondence. You can get us at today underscore UK. And we start with VB at Von Blade. It would have almost been better to have got stuffed. I've asked people how they're feeling a week on, basically, and what they'd like to see in the off-season. The first two plays in the third uh, in the third uh, touchdown interception gave me hope. No idea we did, why we didn't use Mixon near the end. Ugh. And uh, Vonnie wants all the offensive line. Shaquille Edatali, Shaquille AFC. Um, the amazing season as a whole outweighs the final loss. Our needs are so glaringly obvious to which makes me feel at ease. After the past two off-seasons, I expect us to fix them. Part of me still can't believe that we're an absolutely top-draw team. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, it was so good to see Shaq uh, at the Super Bowl party. Um Dadders, uh, at Dadders, given the excellent uh, um, given the excellent out-of-character forays into free agency in the last two pre-seasons that were pivotal to our success this year, we can finally be excited about the forthcoming free agency period. With buckets of cap space, we can start dreaming of a rebuilt O-line, and then it's the draft, indeed. Memphis Soul Stew at Stuart Bears 688. It's been a quiet week. First thoughts were of disappointment. However, it was an amazing season. Just hope we can do it all again uh, because 33 years is a long wait. Thanks for all you do. No worries, Stu, and good to see you as well. Uh, Stephen Ducross at Stevie Dew. Uh, Worried that Mike Brown won't capitalise on the season and will end back in the normal cycle. Stocks are high and time to push on. Do you know what? I think there is a feeling... I just, I, it just feels like, and what you hear, the rally and Mike Brown talking to various outlets and certainly the messages coming from Zach, I think there is a feeling that, that they realise that um, the time is now. You'd hope so, wouldn't you? I think so. I think so. They, they will have been massively... I mean, they'll sit down at the end of the season and not only what they've done on the field, which is massive, they've captivated the entire nation. The one thing the Bengals did is so well this season is, we've talked about this at length, is how well they engage the fans on social media with their, all the output that they've done from a marketing perspective to, um, you know, the Ring of Honor, all of it. It's just been such a better 
communication between the team themselves and the fans and obviously the free agency periods over the last year certainly have been fantastic and for the you know we've got some real um you know some real good output out of some of these guys so I think the Bengals know that they're onto a winner. They're selling that stadium out. The, the, the relationship between the team and the fans is the best it's been in a long, long time. Um, I don't think they're going to struggle selling tickets next year. I think the fan base is going to be all in on it. And the fan base know that the Bengals have got cap room to spend. They, I think, will be buoyed massively by the fact of what they've got back on people like DJ Reader, Trey Hendrickson. Um, the list goes on. You know, guys they didn't necessarily spend a huge amount of money on, but that still have contributed. And we can sit there and name countless people that have, have really made an impact. And if it not for them, the Bengals wouldn't have even been close to a Super Bowl. So. I think the team will look at that and say, look, there's some you know, real formula here for guys that are sort of mid-range, mid-price, but also guys that are top price. Now, you've got the example of Trey Waynes, and that's the sort of deal that in the past would have haunted the Bengals that would go back to like the old Antonio Bryant deal that they did and you know he never got on the field and it was a real disaster and Sam Adams when they paid him gone show my age there going all the way back to him that was quite an expensive free agent didn't really live up to anything Antoine Odom you know etc so those years as Bengals fans you're you're right to sit there and say is Mike Brown is the front office going to capitalize on this because you know, two bad, two, one, I'd say decent year and then one very good year last year. It doesn't wipe out the last sort of 10, 15 years where the Bengals haven't been the best team in free agency and have basically prioritized the draft and just tried to build through there. So I think there's definitely question marks there as to how they're going to approach it. You know, they've, they've not done a great job of addressing the offensive line in free agency over the last couple of years. Riley Reef was a good addition, but not enough. So there's pressure on them. And I think it's it's fairly obvious what needs to be done. I mean, there's a couple of, you know, bits of depth pieces that would be nice, but we don't need to reinvent the wheel. We've got wide receiver groups. Fantastic. The running back room is fantastic. You maybe just had a, you know, late round rookie or something, you know, the, the secondary is very, very good. You, you maybe want to make sure you lock Jesse Bates up and get that deal sorted. Obviously Ricardo Allen, um as retired so you may need some depth at safety if there's anyone out there that you could get to sort of be a backup but it is the offensive line that's the key area the Bengals have got some money um there's gonna have to be money for their own guys to bring a couple of those back but at the end of the day that's the problem you got to solve and I'm not convinced the Bengals are gonna go out there and go nuts and get four guys on that line as some people are projecting or at least two three I think they might get one present for us that's a real good top tier or certainly mid to top tier um interior or you know outside has to be or something like it has to yeah, be ha- it has to be interior for me that's been the problem that's been the real problem the last few years the interior the two guards have been problem now quinton spain played pretty well for well for the most part last year dropped off a little bit towards the end of the season but generally speaking he's been pretty solid that right guard you know that has been a real problem, and uh, I would like us to to just concentrate on the interior. I think. Yeah, no, I agree, and I, I think really in free agency, you'd like to see them go and get probably two players, one mid to top tier, certainly one guy that's got some experience <laughs> as the second guy. Because I think the one thing I would say, and again, we'll go into this in more detail at another time, but the Bengals haven't drafted offensive linemen particularly no, well over the last 
You look at Jonah Williams, he's maybe the one guy that you'd say is a decent starter. He's certainly not a top-level starter for being, I think he was like the 11th pick overall, but you, you maybe expect a guy sort of going just outside the top 10 to be at the very least a good to, you know, bordering on Pro Bowl style player. And I don't think Jonah's got there yet. But you look at Carmen last season, you go back to those, um, the Billy Price pick, obviously Jake Fisher, Cedric Abwehi. It's not been particularly pretty. Um, and I just don't think with the 31st overall pick, you can guarantee a starter is going to come in at that spot and immediately upgrade this line. So they've got to go experience. They've got the cap room. There really is no excuses. And I, I think they'll do it. You know, I, I, I really do. I'm not, I don't think they're going to go and get three guys, a center, an interior lineman, and then they're going to go and, you know, swing a trade for someone like Laramie Tunzel. I don't think it's going to be balls deep. But I do think they'll bring in at least one very good starter and then maybe a more of a depth piece that, you know, maybe bringing back like Riley Reef or something like that would be, you know, a fair return. Hmm. Well, more to chat about that. Uh, Speary D at Speary D. Um, back down to earth. Really with a- <laughs> Back down to earth with the bumpers. My sporting satisfaction is now focused on supporting Carlisle United where there is currently no satisfaction whatsoever. It's grim. Uh, head up, Spewy. Come on, man. David Benter at Da Benter. I <laughs> honestly feel fortunate for the season we've witnessed and being in the Super Bowl. It's also created excitement I haven't witnessed in this city and with fans worldwide, including on social media. I'm looking forward to the draft and free agency to get this team back to the Super Bowl. Here, here, David. And we've said it before, you know, we've done watch parties where Riverfront has been rocking during those uh, two previous AFC Championship games and you just knew it. If they could just unlock that enthusiasm and passion, um, it it would, could quite easily get back to those heights and that's what they've done this season. Um, Ken Troop at Super Trooper 64. Keeping nearly all coaching staff is a huge positive and no major injuries, surgeries to overcome. First, full off-season preparation for the Joe B era. Mainly looking forward to re-engaging with my family on a Sunday evening. Here, here. Uh, Alex McQueen says, took a few days to get over the disappointment. It felt so close, but he's looking forward to it. Jamie at Trek White Beaster, I'm satisfied that I'm over it. We should have won, but we didn't. On to the great game of the off-season. Time to wheel the checkbook, Jensen, Daniels and Tunsil for me. I'd much rather 31 is traded for veteran and help than used on someone who might not immediately contribute. Um, Killian at uh, Killian, Killian at Malloy underscore zero zero. It's been a tough, it's been tough to take. I have found myself going on a mini Bengals detox, trying to avoid anything looking back on the game, primarily just to avoid the thought of what could have been. Anyways, onwards and upwards, plenty of things to get excited about for 2022. Here, here, Killian. Keep your, keep your chin up, mate. Uh, Martin Croson at Martin underscore Croson. Incredibly proud of the team and the coaching staff who performed an astonishing turnaround. Looking forward to free agency. Really wanting to come to the Bengals in the off-season. Bearcats UK at Bearcats UK. An off-season of hoping the Bengals draft a couple of this year's Bearcats class. Yes, that's going to be interesting. Alec Pierce, maybe, or uh, my Jay Sanders, Source Garden. There's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, I don't think we'll go after Desmond Ritter, but 
There's going to be a lot of Bearcats in the draft. It should be really interesting. Loyal to a fault at Loyal Turnter. <laughs> what? Feels way better than after. It feels way better than after the 2015 playoffs. I'm looking forward to seeing who the Bengals will be uh, this off season. Will they be proactive in free agency or try to do just enough? Will they attempt to fix the line with the draft or free agency? I also want to see a live mock turtle. Don't we all, loyal? Don't we all? Um, Your question when the correspondence is on. Um, how much, if any whatsoever, hmm. say do you think Joe Boy gets in free agency? It's an interesting question, isn't it? Because um, Aaron Rodgers made a big point of throwing his toys out of the pram, saying, you know, at the start of this season, saying he's not been consulted enough. I'm sure Joe Boy was consulted when it came to drafting Uno, you know what I mean? Don't know, it's a tricky one. I don't know. I think they've got a good relay I think they've got a good working relationship and I think Zach and the front office do welcome input, you know. So I don't think it will necessarily... I don't th- this is just a guess because that's all you can get do because we don't know at all. You would assume that it's a two-way process, but they seem to be um you know, if you listen to hear that podcast growling when uh, Paul Dana spoke to the scouting staff, you know they've got players for col- uh, staff that looks after the uh, the college players, and you've got sort of you know a dossier on free agents as well. So I think you know they've got their own grading system as any NFL team have. But I don't know. I'm sure it's a pretty collaborative process. Where the the end of the day, you know, the decisions made by Duke and Zach. And, you know, what do you think? Um, I, I very much doubt that they take that much stock or bother asking him about individual players um, because obviously they'll know more and they've got the scouts out there and they know the exact sort of system and player they'll want and obviously how much they, they can offer. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, the, the thing with Joe Boy is I can't imagine him being someone that's going to, you know, walk into the front office and bang the table and say, I want three starting linemen. You know, he'll have the guys backs that are already there. You know, he'll have, he'll, he'll want Quinton Spain back. He'll want Isaiah Prince to do well. He'll want Dante Smith to step up and play well. And Jackson Carmen and the rest of it, you know, I, I, it's very, you've got to remember the personal side of this. He's not, he's got to know half these guys, you know, Austin Corbett's and all the rest of them that are around the league. He won't necessarily know how good they are. apart Zach, from Well, Zach Taylor will know how good Austin Corbett is from true. the Rams, you know. Um, yeah, but he's not necessarily going to be, you know, beating the table for, I'm sure he's probably said, look, you know, you know, I've been here a lot here. We do need some extra help up front. I think that would give me some more time. But he's not going to want to go and throw his line under the bus, you know. So I, I'm not sure he'll have much to say. I think he'll know and hope and pray based on what's been seen over the last two years that it's a pretty glaringly obvious problem. And as much as you want to sit there and say, well, maybe Jackson Carmen has a fantastic camp. Danta Smith is young. He could have a great camp and you know, get Riley Reef back. I think we we're all realistic of the fact that, as you rightly said, that interior line is certainly not performing at the level it should. And if it wasn't um, one of the worst lines in the league last year, it certainly wasn't one of the best. And if we're going to try and win it all, you've got to try and do what you can. The Bengals have got money. Um, I hope Frank Pollock can get it right. I mean, yeah. if he's going to be, he's someone that will certainly be consulted around what sort of lineman does he want, what traits is he looking for, what scheme is he running, etc. And 
I mean, it's a difficult one, isn't it, with Frank Pollock? Because I think the line was better this year, but it certainly had better yet, players. Yeah, and yet statistically it probably wasn't. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's yeah. a difficult one. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, you raised the point there. What if, just what if, here's a question, the answers lie within our roster right now for next year? What if? What if Jackson Carmen makes figures it out? What if Deontay Smith is injury-free, because I thought he was going to be the one, actually, that would make the breakthrough this year. He looked fantastic in pre-season. What if those two guys can figure it out? What if? What if Edenergy suddenly takes a big leap? What if? You know, there's a, there's a few players on that roster um, that could be the answer. I'm not saying they will be, but yeah. I'm just saying it could be. Could be. The thing is, the, the coaching staff will believe in them. They drafted them, you know, in the last year or two. So they'll want them to be right. They'll want to prove themselves right, that they were right to take the pick. So they'll certainly want to give those guys a chance. I, the only thing I would say, and this is where you've got to not be stubborn and um, just do what's best for the team or certainly what's like, be a bit aggressive here, is there's the window that's opened. And as much as you might think these guys could be good and they could progress... Yeah. At the end of the day, if you go out there and get a proven starter anywhere across that line or two proven starters, you know what you're getting. They could get injured. I mean, we know that. that mm. That's just a risk that you take with any player. But ultimately, if they play 16 games, they're going to be at a higher standard, you would very likely assume, than the guys we've currently got on the roster. It's not to say that Jackson Carmen, Akima Denergy, Isaiah Prince, all the rest of them, Dante Smith, couldn't end up being starting high-quality NFL linemen. I'm not not quite sure it's likely at the moment, but they could be. But we're just not... We can't could be in it no, we with need Joe it. Burrow. Yeah, I agree, I agree. We need to protect him. We need to do what we can because... I mean, you could never forgive yourself if you you come into next season, um, Bobby Hart style. You know, bringing bringing like that line's pretty similar to how it was. Maybe with you know one addition, which is just Riley Reef back, or you know one sort of half-assed guard that you've gone and got. And Joe Burrow takes another 40, 50, 60 sacks, and then tears his ACL and his knee again, and is out for eighteen months. I mean, you'd be the laughing stock of the NFL. So. Mm-hmm. I just don't think the it was a bit like when the Bengals had Joe Burrow there at number one. You don't need to overcomplicate this. Go and get two good starting linemen. Adjust, you know, have a look what you've got. Have a big camp battle. Hope the guys step up. And you know, there you go. I, mean, I think those linemen we just said would be great backups. You know, they'd learn. They'd learn from these veteran guys that have come in. Um, I would like to see Riley Reef back, but yeah, I, I don't think it's something that needs to be over overthought too much no i agree absolutely right matthew at our underscore matt every free agent lineman is going to want to come to play for us and we have enough cap to buy the upgrades we need northern bengal at bengal stewart i'd like to see a quick re-up of jesse bates free agent right tackle and right guard free agent corner and then let's get ready for the draft John, actually, I kind of agree with that, actually. John Ward at John World 31, massively proud of the team and what we achieved. Look back at your and Nathan's predictions were at the start of this season, and we have overachieved. Yes, we did, John, but I think we both, well, I predicted a nine-win season, and we got a ten-win season in the regular season, so I wasn't that far off. But yes, of course, I, I don't think anybody did. Miles. You know, did you, John, did you predict a Super Bowl? I'm not sure many people did, let's face it. Um... Sam Reeve at Johnny Prong. Um, 
Only, only regret we didn't go for one Hail Mary near the end of the Super Bowl. Would have backed T or Chase to come down with it. But Joe under intense pressure, and that was the difference in the end. Derek Young at Mr. Degsy. Um, there will not be handle. <laughs> there will never be a better time to invest in the team. Burrow and Higgins have rookie deals for two years. Chase and Evan for three. We have cap space, especially if Waynes is cut, which I think it probably will be. We need three dependable O-linemen, a cornerback, a tight end, and a pass rusher, and won't get them all in the draft. Free agency and creative trading could get us three more top-tier players, which would mean we frighten anyone, and people want to come to play on this team. And re-sign Jesse, of course. But this means changing some long-standing management habits. I think that's the key. Will they alter their tried and tested approach when it comes to guaranteed money and structuring contracts? We'll see. Um, but yeah, Derek's very correct. We probably need three offensive linemen. We do need another cornerback. I wonder if Eli Apple comes back. Uh, we probably need another tight end for uh, a bit more depth in that room, whether it be CJ or uh, an exciting pass-catching tight end. Uh, we do need a bit of pass rusher help. Depend. Basically, we've got twenty-five free agents uh, this year, so it's, there's a lot to work out. The tight end position, going back to that, is a really interesting one because you want CJ and you want him for his personality. And like I said, I think he's a, an average to above average tight end talent-wise. There's some fantastic tight ends around the league. But that is an area, if you just want to go all in and you want to say, look, what can we do here? You've got three unbelievable wide receivers. I, I really think there's a strong case for the Bengals have got the top three wide receivers as a group in the NFL. I think there's a really strong argument for that. Joe Mixon's definitely a top 10 running back now. He's played fantastically well last year. I think behind an even better line, he could be dangerous. Joe Burrow's unbelievable. Argument that he's a top three quarterback, certainly. The tight end position, we're not. We're not in the top 10 for that. And you've got an expiring tight end in Uzama. Drew Sample hasn't played up as a pass catcher to the standard you'd have probably liked from a second rounder. There is an option to go out there and look at whoever's the best tight end on the market and say, why don't we go all in on a tight end or draft one at 31? Or, you know, if you're going best player available, and there's a very good guy there. I, I do think that's a potential safety blanket underneath for Joe Boy, just to say, look, we're going to absolutely load up the talent here on offense. Now, if they bring CJ back, I'm more than happy with that. More than happy with that. But just just saying, you know, could you potentially stack that room even higher and the talent on that offense if you really want to go in and kick the door in? I, I, I don't know. Just, just floating it out there for you, Sam. Uh, Mike Hilton is tweeting Laramie Tunsil to come to Cincinnati just now. Um, lots of fun and games to come. Free agency. It's such a crazy... Intense, another intense period. Uh, so that's to look forward to. We will be back next week to talk more about free agency. Uh, but in the meantime, catch us at Hooday underscore UK on Twitter, Bengals UK on Facebook. We've got a little something coming in the pipeline, so watch out for that. Maybe we'll talk about that next week. But uh, but in the meantime, it's a Hooday for me. Hooday for me. Cheers, guys. <laughs>